Good morning. I'm excited to be with you this morning. I hope you have had a great week. I hope that God has shown you something new and fresh uh, this week, and I'm excited to be with you today. So we're going to be looking today at Psalm chapter 30. The last several months on Wednesday nights with the youth, I've been beginning our teaching videos with this Psalm of the day. This was a practice that was shown to me in a book written by Donald Whitney called Praying Scripture, Praying the Bible. And what this does is it, it you, you read a psalm and then you spend time praying through that psalm. You can also do that with other sections of Scripture as well. What's beautiful about this is it broadens and expands your prayer language. So often, for myself, I get stuck in saying the exact same thing. I get comfortable in a word pattern of prayer, and that's how I pray. When you read the, through the Psalms and you pray through the Psalms, you're going to be exposed to different types and different styles of prayer that may feel sometimes a little uncomfortable. Prayers for protection, for personal safety. Prayers for repentance, for sin that you know about. And prayers for repentance, for sin that you don't realize is sin. In the Psalms, you also see specific examples of how to praise God. Sometimes we're real quick and easy with, hey, this is something that God has done, and I'm thankful for the way that God has done that. Other, ways, other times, it's a little bit more difficult to, to praise God. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with figuring out what to do, or you want to add something to your spiritual development, I want to encourage you, begin to spend, try just a month of praying through the Psalms, or once a week, Pick a psalm and pray through that. It'll be beneficial for your prayer life, your connection, your communication with the Father. It's something that is very helpful. Today we're not going to be talking about how to pray the Bible, but we're going to just be looking at the psalm of the day, which is Psalm chapter 30. So let's pray. I'm going to hit the highlights of what we're going to be reading, and then we're going to read through Psalm 30, and then I'm going to kind of unpack just a little bit of it. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the way that you have provided for us. I thank you for the way that you have uh, continued to grow us as individuals as, and as a church body through this season. Lord, I thank you for your, your grace during this season. I ask that you would just use this time to, to grow us all, to see you differently, to see a new side of you, and let us continue to put our trust and faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm chapter 30, the main point is praise. We're going to see some uh, rock-solid truths, attributes of God in the beginning, and then some more experiential aspects of why we can praise God. Another theme in this text is the theme of life. How the following Yahweh, following God, brings life. Not following God brings calamity, destruction, death. Related to that, though, is that God is ready for repentance. Whether it's repentance for the first time for a non-believer, or whether it's for a believer, one of God's own that has just strayed, forgotten uh, where his eyes should look. And the next thing that we, and the other theme that we see in here is just the importance of trusting God and what that does mean and then also what that doesn't mean. 
So join me in Psalm chapter 30, and let's read. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So, what we see here is praise, the role of life, the role of trusting God, and wrapped in all of this is God's desire for reconciliation and repentance. So first, praise. It's important to know why and how to praise God. Verses one through three are not necessarily like attributes of God, but they're a little bit more rock solid truths about God. And verses four through uh, 12 are a little bit more experiential. So it's important to know the truths of God. On Wednesday nights, we are going through um, its title, uh, Anchor. And what this is, is looking at who God is. So often, I think that we have a skewed view of who God is. And so when calamity strikes or when something happens or when we become cold and distant to God, we expect God to act a certain way. And when he doesn't, we don't know why that is. Well... There's a potential that we may have been misinformed. We may have a skewed view of who God is. It's important to know what the Bible says about God. However, it's also important to have our own experiences with God. When you have had a time, when I have had a time, when we know that God has come through, we're able to rest on that. God was faithful then. He will probably be faithful again. And it's important to have those individual personal experiences, but we must not let those experiences trump what the Bible says about who God is. If our experiences and truth uh, are not going, they don't mesh, then we have an issue, we have a problem. But that does not mean that we should just discount all of our experiences and just set rest solely in a head knowledge of who God is. During quarantine, I have built a computer. Watched a lot of YouTube videos, talked to one of the students here about what to do and how to do it, and I had the head knowledge on how to make it happen. Once I got all the pieces in and started putting things together, I quickly realized, oh, 
I may not have a full understanding of how to do this because I've never done it. And so once I, have, I did it, I was like, oh, okay, I feel fairly capable of doing this again if I needed to. But up until then, I just had head knowledge. Head knowledge is great, but when it comes to, to practice and experience, we must have personal, tangible experiences. Know what scripture says about who God is, but then also spend some time processing, how has God been faithful? How has God been good? It's so easy to get distracted by the immediate here and now, and we do not think back on when God has been faithful in the past. Right now we're in a very tumultuous time in our country. We're gonna talk about it in just a little bit again, but God is the one that we need to rest ourselves in. God is the one that knows what's going on. God is the one that knows what's happening. And God is the one that has been faithful in the long run, in the long term, in our lives and in previous lives as well. So it is good, it is right to praise God. How can you praise God today for the things that he has done in your lifetime and maybe in the last just five months that we have experienced just a brand new world? The next thing we see is this idea of life. All throughout first verses 1 through 3, we see some different ways that God has come through for David regarding his life. Whether it's practical, physical, whether it's his physical life, or whether it's his spiritual life, God has been there to pick up the pieces and to restore. David was to the point of death in verse 3. Both physical death, but I also believe spiritual death as well. He was in a very, very bad place. But when David calls out to him, which we see later in the text, when David calls out to him, when David calls out to God, God is faithful to come and pick up the pieces. Another aspect to this, so we see that life both practically is, is in this, and we see the spiritual life, but there's also an allusion to the covenant. Specifically, Deuteronomy 30, verses 5 through 12, we see the role of life being part of following God, following the covenant, being a part of Yahweh's covenant. You have life. Outside of that, you have death. There's an allusion to the covenant here. And so this is not just looking back to the old covenant, but it's looking forward to the new covenant, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. So, we have the ability to be a part of physical and spiritual life when we are resting in who God is. When we are outside of that, we do not possess that. That should be both a word of warning and a word of encouragement, both as individuals, not that we're going to lose our salvation, but when we stray, when we look to other things calamity will strike. Not that God is like, <clears throat> but that God is, neat, is, is, is the one that has sustained us and created us, and we must recognize that. Also, it should be a, another word of, word of warning to, for us as we engage with people outside of the church. Gone are the days of lost people just randomly showing up to church. 
God still works that way. That still can happen. But we must be faithful in our interactions with other people, non-believers outside of the church, that, that we are faithful in demonstrating that, that being a believer is okay. Being a part of, being in God's law is okay. It is not restrictive. It is for life. How often have you been in a funky spiritual position or spiritual uh, way to where things just have been dry? You see your physical health deteriorating as well, or you may just, or vice versa. Your physical health may dictate your spiritual health. I would encourage you, rest in who God is. We, we, we get so caught up, I feel, in church that, that God is exclusively spiritual, but, um, or that, that this is, that, that Christianity is just a spiritual thing. But Christianity, when looked at in Scripture, is holistic. When our entire heart is in, in tune, in line, walking with the Spirit, following after God, our body is going to be doing the same thing too. And when our body is doing that, our heart is going to be doing that too. I want to encourage you, seek life. And that's found only in God. Related to that is this idea of trust. In verse Five. Oh, sorry. No, in verse, um, in verse six and seven, David says this: "As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong." David was pretty sure of just his life condition, his path in life, because things were going good. The end of verse seven: "You hid your face." I was dismayed. Our hope, our focus, should be in Christ alone. Not on ourselves, not on others, and not on worldly systems. Christ is our hope. We must keep our eyes focused on our Creator and our Sustainer. We don't get to have anything that he has not said, ah, yes, that is good for them to have. And so often I think that in my own life, I, I get distracted by other things. Or I get anxiety or anxious because of I'm looking to other things um, for, for my, my satisfaction, my hope. It's not that when we are not looking at God, he is just going to come in and zap us. But rather, when we look to other things, when we look to broken things that cannot fulfill, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be left unsatisfied. Or we may start making decisions based on what we think or what someone else thinks and not what, on God, what God desires or what God wants for our life. And we're going to face consequences. There's going to be ramifications for that. I want to encourage you. Look to Christ. In this season, uh, the, the human frailty should be so evident. Um, it, we, before, I, I, I am a planner. I like to kind of know a plan, whether it's a week down the road or even sometimes six months down the road. I kind of like to know what the plan is. In this season, we can barely even get day to day. However, God has been faithful 
to, to us as individuals, and has been faithful to us as a church. And so I think this is a beneficial thing. We get to see that maybe we as individuals don't have it all together like we thought. Even we as the Christian church in America don't have it all together like we thought. We must rely, we must focus on God, not on just activities and programs and doing things. What is it that God has for us as individuals? And what is it that God has for us as a church? And the last thing that I want to highlight, um, I want to read, reread verses 9 through 12, 8 through 12. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. So this kind of puts God, David in a position that he may be bargaining with God or saying like, oh, hey, don't, don't let me suffer because if I suffer and I'm not able to talk about how good you are, then the dust is going to cry out like, ah, better spare me because I'm pretty special. That's not what's going on. Let's read verses 11. You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and, be, and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So David is not bargaining with God in this, in this instance. What David is doing is recognizing both God's greatness and God's um, personal nature. So, David is not trying to say, like, oh, you better let me live and, and strong-arming God. But David's recognizing that God is personal. God is faithful. And so what we see here is that God is a quick God to reconciliation. God is a God of quickness to repentance. My life is not necessarily marked with repentance at all times. It doesn't mean that we, as when, 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 when we do things that are contrary to God's will, it doesn't mean that we've lost our salvation. But we, we grow colder to, to an extent to God because we are not um, recognizing when we have wronged him, or at least from my, in my life. I want to encourage you, as a believer, no matter what, God is there. God desires reconciliation. God desires repentance. And God is faithful to that promise. As a non-believer, if you have not come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, I want to encourage you. God is there with open arms. David, we, we see throughout David's life, great seasons of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, and we see seasons of great immaturity, great sin. But God is faithful, God is just, so there will be consequences, but God is faithful to reintroduce back into the flock. I wanna encourage you, following God's law is good. Following God is good. Trusting God is good. Trusting other things can lead to calamity. God is quick to
to reintroduce us back into the fold. And because of all of that, God is worthy to be praised. How has God worked in your life to demonstrate his faithfulness? How can you praise him as an individual? How has God worked to, in, in repentance in your life? Praise him for that. I want to encourage you, continue to be growing as an individual as we grow as a church body as well. I hope you have a great day and I hope you have a great week. If you need anything, don't hesitate to call the church office. Thanks. Have a good afternoon.